This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 35, a very special episode where we interview Dr. John Swanson, the author of the ANSYS program and the founder of the company that is now ANSYS Inc. Hi there, my name's Eric Miller. I'd like to welcome you to this very special version of the All Things ANSYS podcast. As mentioned in the introduction, we're going to be talking with Dr. John Swanson. We went ahead and used the whole period for his interview, so we're not going to do our normal boring stuff with a commercial and uh, what's new with blogs and news and things like that. We'll catch up on the next episode when we record that, but we're going to really focus on, on Dr. Swanson and what he had to say. So a little bit of an introduction. I was so tongue-tied talking to him during this interview that I forgot to really do a formal introduction. So let's do it right here. Uh, Most of us should know him as the founder of a company called Swanson Analysis Systems in 1970. That was the original company that wrote and published the ANSYS program. So ANSYS was the name of the software, and Swanson Analysis Systems was the company. And that was back in 1970. Uh, when they went public, they changed their name to ANSYS Inc. And he wrote that original ANSYS program in his home, and he'll talk more about that uh, origin story during the podcast itself, during the interview. And then after leaving ANSYS, he went on to work in philanthropy and alternative energy, often combining the two. And and many of you who are younger may have benefited from some of the philanthropy he's done in education, especially in the Pennsylvania schools. Um, He is considered, and rightfully so, an authority and pioneer in the application of finite element methods to engineering. So let's get to it. Uh, Like I said, I kind of flubbed the intro there. I forgot to even mention, uh, I I may have mentioned in passing, but Ted Harris, our manager for technical support, whom regular listeners of this podcast may know, um, he was also there asking questions with me, and we did this over Skype on the 4th of April. So we hope you enjoyed it as much as Ted and I did. It is truly uh, an honor and a pleasure. So please enjoy. So John Swanson, uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on our on our podcast. It's a big deal for, for me and Ted Harris is joining us, who heads up our tech support group. Um, we've been ANSYS users. We were just discussing yesterday for 30-some-plus years. You're going to be the only person in the world that we can't top as an ANSYS user <laughs> year-wise. But, um, you know, our, our careers – I want to start off by thanking you. Our, our careers exist uh, – this company, PADT, exists because uh, you did what you did when you started. Uh, your company. So I want to start by thanking you and joining us and thank you for doing what you did. Okay, well, we'll see how it goes. Okay, very good. So um, I want to start at the beginning. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of rumors and, and different stories out there, different versions of the ANSYS origin story. And, and we'd love to get it from the guy that was there. You know, how, how did you come up with the idea to do a general purpose FEA? Was that how you started, actually, is a great question. Actually, no. I, okay. I worked at Westinghouse okay. on, the nuclear, on the nuclear rocket program. Uh-huh. I was, I was uh, head of structural design, mm-hmm. and I was doing a lot of simulation, uh, but I didn't know it was simulation at the time. Yes. <laughs> I, was doing, I was doing it on a Burchot desk calculator, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing numerical integrals and so on. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they invited me to learn uh, computer language, and I thought that sounded like fun, so I signed up for Fortran. Great. And uh, after misspelling the word right several times, <laughs> I, I finally got R-I-G-H-T and uh, <laughs> I moved on from there. Um, 
I, w I worked with several computer programs that I obtained outside, one from Battelle Memorial Institute, which had boundary point collocation. Uh, I did a, a simple spring model, which looked sort of like finite elements. Okay. Uh, and the uh, NASA sponsors said, hey, that looks like what Ed Wilson is doing out at Berkeley. Why don't you go out and talk to Ed Wilson? Because mm -hmm. uh, I was doing a simple stress uh, concentration, and I was getting you know plausible results, but it certainly was a long ways from you know, anything like finite elements, axisymmetric problem. So anyway, I, I went out there and got that program and modified it, added thermal to it and a few other things, and became a program called FEATS, Finite Element Analysis, Temperature, and Stress. Ah. And it was distributed through Cosm Cosmic, Cosmos, Cosmic. Cosmic, yeah. Uh, which, which is a government distribution center. I know that uh, Bettis Labs uh, used it because I went in there and lectured to them and so on. And then I started getting into other types of structures, like plane, shells, solids, etc. And I, so I developed programs for those. And I began to realize that I was doing 90% of the same work over and over again, mm -hmm. and only 10% was different. Great. So I said, well, let's put it all together and just make a library of elements, and then we can do whatever we want to with it. Uh, and that was a program at Westinghouse, which was called Stasis. And if you dig back in the archives, you might find that because the research laboratory picked that up. And for you know, a good number of years or decades, they tried to compete with ANSYS with that. Uh, little, they realized that I was on their mailing list, so I knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, but we also invited them out every couple of years to show, us, show them what we were doing. And every time they would do that, we'd have a, they'd have a five-year program to catch up. Uh, it started two years, but it got to five years, and finally they gave up on it. Uh, so I, in the late 60s, I see the handwriting on the wall that we weren't going to Mars in the 80s like we thought we were. Uh, so the nuclear rocket was being mothballed, and I laughed uh, and went out doing consulting for the nuclear industry, Okay. Uh, ma mainly Westinghouse. Great no surprise there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but in, at nighttime, I punched cards, and I drove into the computer center and bought computer time for United States Steel and developed the next generation, as it were, of software. Uh, the one advantage of being able to start over is you can do it right the second time. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, the answer you saw back then was, you know, basically my second generation of thinking about finite elements. Okay. So that, that's sort of where it started from. Um, we, we, our marketing strategy at that time was timeshare. Okay. Uh, in particular, Control Data Corporation and companies like that, SciTech and UCS and a bunch of companies that uh, tried to make money by selling mainframe computing time, which seemed like a good idea at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly obsolete by now. Right. right. So, so let's leave that as, as uh, end of that question, and we can go back if we need okay. to pick up more. Great, great. Um, was there a, a garage involved in the original coding? I can't remember. There, there, there was, but it, it was not a big thing because we didn't work in the garage. Okay. <laughs> the, the we got manuals printed after we got a, a significant market, and then we stored the manuals in the garage and assembled them there. Very uh, good. Gabe DeSalvo, of course, was in charge of our documentation, so the garage was his domain. He could smash it there he wanted to do Every, every yes, there was, yes, there was a garage. There also was a farmhouse, and the farmhouse was, in fact, where we all met. Okay. Yeah. Be it all, all there. Until we moved to Houston, Pennsylvania. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and if you uh, if you go to the Ansys website and poke around, I think you can find pictures of that farmhouse as part of the last anniversary celebration. So yeah, Gabe DeSalvo had a whole library of pictures, and uh, I'm sure some of them are in there. Mm -hmm. there. Now the the tall part of that building I actually constructed with my own hands. Oh, that's awesome! I didn't know that. Awesome. Yeah, every, everything from the foundation to the framing to the roofing. The roofing I recall with putting on on a hot Fourth of July day. <laughs> uh, that was pretty exciting. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. That yeah. So that's a true yeah. no, cool bootstrap. Yeah. It's neat in hindsight for us to look at, but a true bootstrap uh, operation, including the building of the infrastructure. That's that's fantastic. Um, yeah. We 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 wired all the wires and all this all that other stuff as well. We were, you know, very very hands on. That's great. Oh, actually, one of the one of the most that didn't know has happened at the time, but one of our mini computers caught fire in that wooden frame structure. Oh, burned up the hole inside, and unfortunately never got off of the steel. But there was a pile of char when we got up in the morning, so that was a near miss. Oh my gosh, yeah, things would be very different. That's so funny, a little thing like that. So, so one question I like to ask of, of people that have done as many things as you have have done is. What's one of the things you're proudest of in your career? Well, let me let me put a little outline around that. Mm -hmm. I'm currently in my third career. Great. Uh, my first career was Westinghouse. Mm -hmm. And Westinghouse uh, did the big favor of paying for my Ph.D. at night school mm -hmm. uh, through with the University of Pittsburgh. So you then mentioned second career, of course, was ANSYS. Mm -hmm. And that was by far the most successful career. Mm -hmm. The third career is sort of a mixed career. It includes both. Renewable energy mm -hmm. and philanthropy. Oh, great! I'm sure, I'm sure you'll get some of those later. Yeah. Okay. Now, now back to whatever your question was, which I forgot. What, what is what is the thing you're proudest of amongst those three careers? Well, clearly, Ansys was by far the most successful. Mm -hmm. um, as far as uh, impact on the world, also the biggest impact. The, uh, uh, the the new philanthropy and renewables both have their impact, but they are a more personal thing as opposed to a global impact. As you may recall, some years ago, I got the John Fritz Medal, right. which is the highest engineering award in the U.S. And that, as I said at the time, reflects the technology more than my personal contribution, but I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and somebody in fact, had, I had, a, had a good friend, Bob Cloud, and he always uh, advised me if they offer you an award, take it. <laughs> That's good advice. That's very good advice. Yeah. Um, uh, Ted, I'll, I'll pause a little bit if you have any questions uh, to add in here. Well, first off, I want to echo what Eric said, and you know, just uh, you know, thank you for creating this tool that a lot of us have really been able to build a career out of. I mean, like Eric, I started using Ansys day two of my first job right out of college, and that was approaching 32 years ago. Where was that? Uh, that was at the company that's now Honeywell. Back then, it was Garrett. Uh, okay, sure. Garrett Turbine Engine Company. Yep. Um, and, you know, in my role here at PADT, I've taught a lot of people how to use ANSYS. And, you know, I wish I had kept an exact number, but it's upward of 500, maybe approaching 1,000, maybe more than that. Uh, but one of the things I've, I've consistently told people is ANSYS is a good tool to learn. I mean, it will help you be employable for a long, long time. Um, but you know, that being said, the question that I've always wanted to ask is, you know, th there are a lot of people that, 
that write code. There are a lot of people that understand engineering and physics concepts well. But uh, for for you, what do you attribute to? What do you attribute your success? You know, clearly you've had phenomenal success. Uh, there's a very simple answer to that. Listen to your customers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, the uh, you know, we knew exactly what to do because the customers told us what to do, and the customers would not say pick no for an answer. <laughs> So, uh, you know, where Ansys went, you know, I, I, I've characterized in, in lectures, I've said, you know, there go my people and I must follow because they think I'm leading. That's a paraphrase of a Gandhi statement. <laughs> you know, there go my people and I must follow because I am their leader. Okay, that's great advice. Yeah. But, the, you know, but we, we did a lot of interesting things. For example, one thing I still quote to universities and so on is if you want to be a center of expertise, Sponsor a conference, invite all the experts, and then everyone will know of that as the ANSYS conference on wind turbines. Uh, whether you knew anything about it or not, you're now the center of expertise for wind turbines. And you can do that with most anything as long as you know who the expert are and you have enough clout to get them all together in one room. Right. Yep. Yep. That's so another, you know, and a, a real aside, uh, but a, a variation on that. I sponsored a project at Cornell uh, over the last 10 years to try to get simulation built into the engineering curriculum. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, we had an advisory group there that had ANSYS people on it and so on. Uh, but we insisted that they do conferences ah. to bring in people from other universities and share the technology because that, you know, that was a requirement of, of my contribution. Uh, but they, they discovered MOOCs, M-O-O-C, yes. mm -hmm. and uh, did one in conjunction with Cornell. And the attendance is over 100,000 people now have gone through that course. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The tech, there's, yeah. A lot of technology has changed since you started. That's, MOOCs are a great example of that. That's so cool. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Another question. Sure. Oh. Um, so did you ever think that that company you started in that farmhouse back then that would using punch cards and such would be over $1 billion in revenue? Uh, actually, uh, about five years in, we had a luncheon to celebrate five years in or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and I looked out across the room at about 100 people and I said, well, my image was I get five or 10 people together, we write software and market it. What are you, all you people doing here? <laughs> And, and, and of course, it's continued to grow. Yes. But one of my management's philosophy was don't hire them if you can't pay them. Mm -hmm. And so all, all our growth was based on projected revenues for the year and not hiring anything beyond what we could pay. We never borrowed. We never had any debt. It was all bootstrapped yeah. all the way up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Up until it went public. And then that, that's another whole other story. A whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so... Um, I've got an ANSYS Insider question. I, I love APDL. I, I, I just think it's the coolest thing ever. I, I sometimes dream when I was doing a lot of coding, I even had dreams about APDL. So I, I, When I came out of my surgery, I, I was uh, delirious and I was programming my body in APDL. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. So for those okay, that well, don't... How, yeah, but your question is, how did it start? Where, where, what, yeah. So, so how, did, how did you come up with that? Yeah. Okay. Here, here, here's the, story, the, the real scoop behind that. Mm -hmm. I was doing turbine blade natural frequencies. Okay. Okay. As the turbine blade spins, it gets stiffer. Yes. And the natural frequency shifts. Mm -hmm. So your way to do it, you get the natural frequency at zero rotation. 
and then you rotate it at that speed, stiffen it, and see what the natural frequency is. In about three iterations, uh, you can converge to what the true spinning natural frequency is. Uh -huh. Now, bear in mind, these models for their day were overnight models. Right. So I had two choices. I could go into the computer center at 2 o'clock in the morning, take the number from the, bo the bottom of the page, plug it in, and put the deck back in the computer. Or I could come up with language that says, get the first mode natural frequency and plug it into the rotational velocity and do three times. And there, there, there was the start of APDL. Get information, pl plug it back in the input stream, and take action based on that. It's a necessity drove that uh, quite heavily. La la laziness and, not, and desire to get a good night's sleep. <laughs> there you go. These are all good. Those, these are all good motivators. Yeah. I, I uh, for those that don't know that may not be mechanical users or or may not get into the the solver. Uh, APDL is the ANSYS parametric design language, and it's basically an instruction set to do everything you can do in the ANSYS solver pre and post processor, but everything that can be parameterized is. And there's some great uh, nifty shortcut things like arrays and vectors and things that uh, that we can do all sorts of things that we get all giddy about using when we get to use them. So uh, well, it is, it is a complete programming language. Yes, complete. And I've made that statement in lecture years ago. And uh, you know, occasionally someone will come up and say, "Well, you don't do this hyperbolic or you know, who knows what." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but it was it's easy to add things like that. Exactly. And the next time I came around and say, "Okay, now we do this. What do you want to do?" Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you talked a little bit about your third career, um, yes. which is philanthropy. Um, and so, so why don't you talk a little bit more about what you're doing today? And uh, I, I'm familiar with the work you're doing with the universities uh, there in the Pittsburgh area, but what, what else? And, and tell us a little bit about that work you're doing with the universities. Okay. The, uh, you know, when I, uh, cashed in my chips, as it were, mm -hmm. uh, I said that, you know, this belongs to the engineering community. So it actually, I put it into a Fidelity Charitable Trust. Great. Uh, and that's been play money for many, many years. Mm. Uh, you know, what I do comes from there. Yeah, it's already been tax deducted and all that, and uh, I can't do anything with it other than give it away. Okay. So that takes, that takes any pain out of uh, you know, <laughs> kicking in you know, a few hundred thousand here and there, mm -hmm. uh, because it's not mine anyway anymore. But it also gives the... Uh, the engineering community, which gave to me when I started out, including a National Merit Scholarship, uh, a year of tuition at Cornell, mm -hmm. a, a PhD at the University of Pittsburgh, courtesy of Westinghouse. You know, a lot of people contributed. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, you know, my objective here is to you know, keep playing it forward. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, uh, most of my uh, things are involved in engineering education in some form or another. Great. I'm doing quite a bit of renewable energy work at the University of Pittsburgh. Okay. including defining student projects, uh, providing solar panels on some of the buildings. Uh, I put solar panels on the uh, Cornell, Washington Jefferson College, University of Pittsburgh, uh, two or three animal shelters, one synagogue, uh, <laughs> and 25 houses in Green Key Village, which That's is a rural community. That's fantastic. I was totally unaware of that. That's well, Thank you awesome. for that. Yeah. Now look up green. Let just just uh, go go Green Key Village. Green Key Village. Okay, so um, we have used Ansys to model solar panels for various people. So that's got to kind of feel cool to know you're installing products that are probably being simulated in Ansys. <laughs> Actually, the last time I used Ansys, mm -hmm. 
uh, I was doing just a geometric model of a solar field for a church here in the area. Oh, cool. <laughs> just, just to get a visual representation because you know, I could do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have to confess that I don't have an ANSYS license anymore because uh, uh, I've got other things to do with my life now. Yeah, that's good. You, you, you've definitely given back and contributed in that area, definitely. Yeah. I'm sure you could get one anytime if you needed one. I could, but uh, then I'd have to – yeah. I don't even have a compiler. That's how bad it is. <laughs> but I had something I wanted to do on the computer the other day involving these solar performance. And so I, I discovered something called Python. I could get free. Yes. And it's a language, and I, I could write a program and do some graphics. So uh, I still have a, a, a little bit of touch with the, with the computer, Good. but not much. Excellent. Great. Yeah, we use Python a lot these days. Uh, um, so... One question I have is if you could, this is one of these uh, magic wand things. Uh, if you could go back and change one thing in the early version of the ANSYS program, what would that one, what would it be? I know what I want it to be, but what, what would you want it to be? I, I'd like to hear what you want it to be because I can't think of what I wish you would have, I wish you would have picked a different uh, solid monitor from Zox. Oh, well, that would, you know, the, uh, uh, I don't regret that because, okay. you know, that was what was available at the time. The time, and okay. It, it was something that got could be replaced and probably has been replaced two or three times yes. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But there what, are people what, still what, using you know, it. Yeah, we still what, use it. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah one, one thing ANSYS has, has shown a skill for is integrating. Yes. You know, they buy a bunch of stuff, and whereas Nastran used to destroy whatever they bought. Exactly. ANSYS, exactly. ANSYS seems to be able to uh, continue adding it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's one of the reasons for the dominance of the market is if somebody else uh, shows up, uh, they've got such a cash hoard that they can just buy most anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of geometry engines, uh, Space Claim is a great example of that when they acquired that company. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a solid modeling tool, and they've done a great job of integrating it in so many places. It's been oh, really good. powerful. You know, say that's, you know, that, that's a skill that they have brought to the table, and it's, it's served them well. Still, still, still goes on. So, what would you change? Um, what would I change? Back. In well, the first of go. all, I wouldn't get older. <laughs> that, that, that sucks. But I'm fighting it every inch of the way. So Good. I'm not, Keep I'm not fighting. Yes. <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, um, we talked about your donations and things into academia and into, I didn't realize about alternative energy was great. Um, Ted, do you have another question before I do some of the last? Yeah, picture? I do. So recently here at PADT, we celebrated our 25th anniversary as a company. And I've, I've been on board uh, for the last 20. Um, but we recently had a, a podcast internally where we discussed sort of, uh, what were the big changes in the last 25 years in simulation and what did we have predicted going forward maybe for the next 25 or so? So I'm just wondering, do you have any vision for where simulation is going to go in the next 25 years or, or even beyond? Well, I think I asked the question of the customers. Yeah, they, they, know, they know the answer to that. They probably know where they want you to go. Uh, but certainly, you know, the biggest thing that happened recently was the massively parallel. Yes. Uh, right. Now, where quantum computing goes, I'm not sure that that's uh, – uh, yeah. let, let me just say I won't make any predictions about quantum computing. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other thing, and I just uh, you don't know where that's going to go. Uh, as an illustration, for example, uh, you remember Nano? 
Everything was nano. Nano was the, wor- yep, the world's nano biggest the thing. thing. Yes. Yep. Uh, something called 3D printing came along. I said, forget nano. Mm-hmm. 3D printing is much bigger than nano will ever be. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at SpaceX and other places that are heavy units as users, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're also heavy 3D printing. General Electric, of course, yes. supplies. Yes. I won't mention Boeing because Boeing is uh, sort of in trouble at the moment. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So we'll keep them out of the news. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's interesting because we had the uh, uh, dinner awarding the uh, alumni of the year at the engineering school at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. And the alumni of the year for Mechanical was one CEO of Boeing Corporation. <laughs> okay. He did not. He was too busy to come to the business. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna blame the software guys anyway for that one. So yeah, uh, that's it. <laughs> we could do that. Um, do you have any advice? Well, remember, we're software guys. Though. Be careful. Well, that's true. I, I should say that. Yeah. When I when I think of it, I think of it from a way of uh, there's people that write software that help make mechanical things. We're that we're on the cool side of software. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so, any advice? You know, you're one of the founders of Simulation. So, if if any, any, I'm sure you talk to students all the time with your involvement with them. What what advice do you give those young students just starting their career in simulation? Well, if they're starting simulation, basically, uh, you've got a platform to work with. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, rec- I don't recommend going somewhere else to try to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. You know, that that, that yeah. field has been plowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's still opportunities to use it creatively, add to it creatively, mm-hmm. uh, put in different material models. Uh, for example, in uh, there's a lot of work going in 3D printing where you're making optimum geometry. Mm-hmm. Or making geometry that you can make with 3D printing that you can't make, you know, with any physical manufacturing technology. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I've got a little uh, round ball that's uh, almost all air, right? But it's very, very rigid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that somebody at a university in the Pittsburgh area gave to me, uh, and it keeps hopping off my shelf and rolling across my desk. <laughs> but anyway, it's something you can never manufacture, you can never cast, but you can print it in 3D. And, and I'm sure there's other things like that. Uh, you know, 3D printing is getting, you know, not just 3D, but 4D and 5D and so on. One of my dreams has been to embed metallic fiber, magnetic metallic fibers into the uh, material and use a magnetic field to orient them in yes. line with the stress field uh, to get an optimum reinforced object. Uh, I haven't, haven't seen it done yet, but uh, I don't see any reason why not. Mm-hmm. Very good idea. Yeah, that's fantastic. In fact, I just did a, uh, a lecture, a, a talk at the uh, Additive Manufacturing User Group about simulation for additive manufacturing um, and many of the things that you, you and ANSYS after you parted ways have created were part of that lecture. It was uh, It's really neat to see the two merge together because um, we're we couldn't design these things without simulation and we couldn't make them without 3D printing. So it's really cool to see. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, Ted, do you have anything else? Um, I guess I'm drawing a blank at this point. Okay. okay. After we get off, we'll all think of great questions. Uh, John, John, is there anything that you want to share with the audience? Uh, you know, we've got user listeners who are in college to uh, people that have even used it as long as or longer than Ted and I. Is there anything you'd like to say to them or share with them? Yeah, well, actually, I want to tell another little story. At Good. the same dinner, uh, one of the other awardees came up to me and said, hey, I took your course in the 80s. <laughs> and another time I went to Cornell 
when the new uh, chancellor came in mm. and he invited Janet and I for dinner. And I'll never forget what the first thing he said to me. Mm. He said to me, John, do you have trouble sleeping? <laughs> and I, I, I was sort of taken aback at this. Uh, and I said, not really. Why? And he said, well, if you ever do, take these. And he had to be an envelope full of papers he'd written using answers for cardiology. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. And then, and then the compliment he gave me, I, I treasure. He said, what I, what I liked about it was it worked. That's so true. Because, yeah. because at that time, so much software didn't work. It was developed at the universities. It did the project required to get the Ph.D., and then it, you know, it wouldn't do anything else. Uh, but ANSYS worked, and I think that's a good, uh, a good uh, model uh, for ANSYS over yeah. the years. Yeah, yeah ANSYS I, works. It kind of reminds me of uh, you know, classes I used to teach uh, maybe going back 15 years or so ago. People would ask me, oh, can I do this? Oh, can I do that? And my standard answer was, with ANSYS, there's always a way. There's always a way. Yep. yep. That, that's pretty close. Uh, uh, I can I can think of some things that at the time you probably couldn't do, but if you twisted our arm just a little bit, we could probably make it do it. Yep. And and there and there are now some universities that are fairly uh, good at making changes, you know, changing material models and so on. So they're doing things with it uh, mm -hmm. that are creative and are worthy of their level of expertise. You know, one of the, but they're not reinventing the wheel. Not reinventing the wheel. One of the things I always like to point out to people, because I think especially younger users aren't even aware that it's possible, is there's a published API in Fortran and, and to some extent C to get into the to the solver. You know, you, you you can get in there and do your own elements. You can do that's all still there, and and we still use it every day. So it's pretty yep. powerful, pretty powerful stuff. Let's see, there was, let's see, there was APDL, there was UIDL, and yep. there was one other one that uh... the the uh, Ansys programming interf API. No, 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 uh, Ansys. Design. The one of the things that I that I'm getting from this kind of listening to you talk, besides reminiscing about some very good times over many many years, is that. Two core things that existed in ANSYS when I started uh, in the world uh, as a user and then as a technical person and then as a, as, a, as a reseller are this idea of listening to the customer was always fundamental to how development worked. And I kind of forgot about that till you mentioned it. And the other thing is the point you brought up that ANSYS just works. Um, and, it, and that's always been true. There's always a way, like Ted said, there's always a way to do it in ANSYS. There's always three ways usually to do it in ANSYS. And um, it always worked. We could always get a useful bit of information that would help the, the customer or the design project. So um, that's, that's something that I think sometimes in today's world of high-flying software, we forget about these things while we're, we're doing our sagas and creating our, our, our cascading whatever management tools. We forget we could just ask the customer. They're really smart. Uh, and, and that's, that's a great takeaway. Um, wow. I, I can't tell you how, what a privilege this is to talk to you again. It's been too many years. Um, and, and I hope to do it again soon. If you're ever in the Phoenix area, we would love to host you. Um, and, uh, or anywhere in the Southwest, let us know. Cause we now have offices across the, the states here so um if you're ever out let us know i would love to buy you dinner uh, or whatever you want a drink or a dinner i i, I go with the dinner and the drink we'll do both <laughs> <laughs> wonderful ted anything to finish up uh, i just wanted to say the the first time i saw you was at the uh ansys uh user conference back when there was a single 
you know, worldwide answers user conference in Pittsburgh back in 1996, and you were talking about solver technologies, and you were very impassioned about it back then, and it's great to see you're still just as impassioned. So, yeah, um, I've got again. the full set of mugs too. If anybody wants a, uh, any one of the twenty some mugs, <laughs> that's awesome. I've got the one from '96. I use it every day. <laughs> yes. We uh, we as part of our 20th anniversary, we're putting together a time capsule, and we're putting uh, a, a, a box set of Ansys. I think it's 4.5 into the time uh-huh. capsule with with the CD. It's uh, it's got the CD and everything in it, so it'll it's and kind got of the cool. manuals. It's got the manuals, which is oh, to me that's, that's, big, that's big gold. Time capsule. Yeah. That's gold. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is. We got a big box. <laughs> so uh, it'll be going in there. Somebody in 25 years is going to open it up and, and hopefully uh, Ansys and your legacy. I know your legacy will still be alive because of what you're doing uh, with the universities, but hopefully Ansys will as well. So they'll appreciate that. Um, well, thanks, John. I really appreciate it. I can't say that enough. And, yeah, well, I'm, uh, glad, I'm glad we got this together. It was yeah. uh, a, near, a near thing, but, but it worked out thing, fine. But it worked out fine, and technology came through, and schedules came through, and I really appreciate it. And and I hope to follow up in a few years and see what's what's changed. So thanks a lot. I hope I'm here. You. Here. We do too. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Wow, what an opportunity! Um, I'm recording the intro and exit uh, about a week later. Um, and got to listen to the interview again. Uh, I can think of probably 12 other questions I should have asked instead of the ones I did, but hopefully uh, you all enjoyed it. Hopefully you got a, a sense for uh, for Dr. Swanson and, and, and what a smart and funny and uh, capable guy he is. Um, we hope you enjoyed it as much as Ted and I did. And uh, that, that's pretty much it. Um, I think one last parting thought that I wanted to add after listening to it again is, um, you know, I'm, I'm very involved in the local startup community here in Phoenix and, and write about a lot about startups and do mentoring and things like that. And, and kind of caught up in that whole world. We forget about people like John who started their companies decades ago before there was such a thing as startups and founders. They were just, um, you know, smart people with a really good idea that were true trailblazers that created new industries. Um, Industries that, that many of us, you know, I've made my living off of my whole career and many of you listening to this podcast may also have done so. So, um, you know, we should, there was no black turtlenecks and no, uh, (laughs) no press conferences and things like that. And, and look, they're now a $1.2 billion company uh, in revenue. So um, it's, it's pretty cool to see, um, the, the guy that started, listen to the guy that started it all. So we hope you enjoyed it. Um, in closing, don't forget to subscribe at www.padtinc.com slash opt-in. Spread the word to everybody out there, especially for this particular episode. We hope that, um, you know, even people who don't normally listen to the podcast will enjoy this special episode and John's interview. So please do let people know, put it out there on social media and don't hesitate to reach out. Um, we got some great emails just recently that we're going to work on, uh, some episodes based upon, and we've got some customer interviews coming up. I know those are very popular and we're going to talk to a couple of users, um, of ANSYS that are in, in our territory here in the Southwest. So, um, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Ansys podcast, episode 35. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with Ansys Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only, and not of their current or former employers. 
For more information, visit www.padtinc.com blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.